Hello, I'm John Chambers, and welcome to another episode of Chambers Talks. It's about discussion, about tech disruption, leadership lessons learned, where is the industry, the market going, what do young companies do to survive and grow, what do established companies do to disrupt themselves and reposition for the future. I've always believed there are two equalizers in life, the internet and education. And today I'm talking to my very, very good friend who has a huge amount to do with it building out the infrastructure for the future, not just the internet, but where does 5G go and what are the opportunities in front of us? Uh, Bourier uh, Alcom has been a friend for, we won't see how many decades, but a number of decades. And you still got more hair than I do uh, on it. But uh, uh, you've been uh, CEO of the Ericsson Group for uh, five or six years already, uh, CEO of Patricia Industries before that, uh, CEO of Investor AB. You've been on corporate boards. Uh, you've done nonprofits. Uh, you're uh, an engineer by background in electrical engineering and an MBA. And you've, you've been an individual who I admire very much, who has a bold vision of where the industry's going, what do companies have to do to lead in this connected world with the changes that are going on and where connectivity is for all. Perhaps, as I said before, education for everyone and connectivity for everyone is the future. So today's discussion will be a free form uh, back and forth. And Berrier, I cannot thank you enough for joining me today, my friend. Well, thanks, John, for having me. Well, we've got a good session planned, but I'm going to start with the first question area and feel free to take me wherever you want on the answers and I'll, I'll adjust uh, as we go through it. But when you read really talk about a hyper-connected world and, and 5G being deployed globally, digitization, everything being connected, 500 billion devices being connected, et cetera, how do you envision this future and how do you articulate it? Uh, to both young leaders that are looking at what this means, but also to the established world on how they have to position both their countries and their companies for the future. I think, uh, John, this is a really important question. And we spent a lot of time thinking through our purpose as a starting point. And, and we have a, a very strong purpose, actually 140 years ago, saying that communication is a basic human need. And today we evolved that purpose into creating connections that make the unimaginable possible. And I think that's what it's all about. You know, digitalization will have a profound effect on society. It will be, I think, the closest thing to a silver bullet to solve some of our big, really big challenges we're facing. Think like climate change. You know, by digitalizing the economy, we will actually get a lot of efficiencies. I just look at our recently launched factory in Texas. We use all modern technologies, call it digital twins. We use self-guided vehicles in the factory, a lot of, of process planning tools. And what we see is we get twice the labor productivity. We get a quarter less energy consumption, three quarters less wastewater. The profound effect on the environment is big, but I think it doesn't stop there. You know, waste in the whole economy will reduce. We will democratize access to education, to healthcare. So I think in this hyper-connected world, we can't even see how it will change our lives. But I'm convinced it will be a much better life. 
when you think about Erickson's role in that, and and you've always been very modest, and your company has as well, but if you were to say, here's the role that you see Erickson play in this evolution, and it's a leadership role. You all have always been very nimble and have seen things before your counterparts have not. How do you position where you're going to take your products and your company, and, and what role do you play in the leadership of this evolution that you are talk, articulated so well? I, I think, you know, we, where we are really contributing is by building out the infrastructure. And, and here, I, I think it's it, today, connectivity is almost taken for granted. But the reality is, it's the critical piece to allow digitalization. And we are a critical player in providing that infrastructure. So for us today, we're, you know, we're investing very heavily on leading into the 5G world. And, and here I just take a few seconds and, 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 and think what is going to happen in the 5G world. Well, we're going to get 10 times the speed compared to 4G. We're going to have a tenth of the latency. We're going to allow many more connected devices per surface area. So we're, we're, we're actually going to allow us to, use, to make so many new type of applications we can't even think of today. When you think about it, collaboration plays a key role in making that happen. Uh, but you know, when I was at Cisco, Ericsson and Cisco had an unbelievable great relationship for two decades. Uh, and we would collaborate back and forth. You've also been very good with startups and saying, how do you do it? Uh, what's your vision for the role that collaboration will play in this, this new world as we really connect people that would change democracy and change education and, and healthcare in ways that you, you envision? Yeah, I, the, the interesting thing is actually the, the wireless industry is probably one of the biggest examples on an open and accessible ecosystem. You know, already today and already 30 years ago, it was an open standard. Anyone could contribute into the standard, could use the, the, the standard to develop products on. So it's it's really available and, and that has transformed this industry from a luxury product. You know, in, in, in 1990, there were, I think, 11 million subscribers on a wireless network. Today, it's 6 billion subscribers. So there are more subscribers on a cellular network than there are toothbrushes in the world. So the reality is that's almost accommodated thanks to, to relying on partnerships, ecosystems, etc., that we actually had together with, with Cisco as well. Uh, but I think that that's the success of the cellular connectivity. I would agree. How do you educate people on the infrastructure? If I were to do a flashback to your, your comments of 1990 and using Amazon and Jeff Bezos as an example, uh, Jeff, when he took his companies public, the hardest thing he had to deal with was people didn't understand the Internet and how it was going to change everything. And so he spent as much time explaining the, what the Internet does and what's capable as he did position in Amazon for disrupting uh, retail and the direction. How do you do that with 5G when people say, hey, I understand it, I know the buzzwords, but how does this really affect the micro businesses and, uh, you and the individuals and how they can take place in it? How do you take this complex topic and make it digestible, if you will, uh, to the average person today? Uh, you know, that's a real challenge, right? And, and everyone asks me, what's the killer app for 5G? Yes. And, and I often say, you know, that's the wrong question. Because if you would have asked the killer app for 4G in 2007, 
I'll promise you, nobody would have been able to answer. You know, at that time, we thought the, the, everyone thought video would be big on 4G, but everyone thought it was video calls. In reality, the, the killer app came to become streaming, short videos, uh, maybe something like an Uber, or you take, uh, you know, you order food on there, you stream music. So, so the killer app is a very difficult concept to envisage before you have the infrastructure up and running. And that's why this is a very challenging discussion, right? So when we think about 5G, it's the same thing. It, you know, you're not going to be able to develop any great applications until you have the networks built out. And that's why we're advocating a very forceful build out of the network to make sure 5G has the broad coverage and can be used by developers as well as, as consumers and enterprises for new applications. And they're going to come. So think about, for example, XR probably a paradigm shift that's going to happen. Whether you think of that in the, in the name of a metaverse or if you think of it in, in just industrial applications, but for sure we're going to leverage augmented reality glasses in industrial design, in manufacturing, in, in construction sites all around the world. So I, I think there are, there are so many of these new type of use cases that will come once we have the network built out. When you think about building out the network, it enables so many companies to change their business models. And until you get there, you don't even know what's capable. Uh, we talked earlier about Ericsson has traditionally uh, done innovation internally, but also worked with startups for innovation. A lot of the creative ideas do come from the startups. How do you envision the role startups play with Ericsson and, and in this new 5G world? You know, we've, we've been um, working with startups, as you noted, John, for a long time. But I think we need to do much more. And, and why do I say that? It's, it's because we, we think of the network as a horizontal platform. And that horizontal platform that will start to be consumed by creating APIs and an API here could be a quality of service, could be speed, could be latency, or it could be a network slice. That will have to be you know, consumed by developers, by new companies, by entrepreneurs who actually has a vision for what to create. I think that will prove to be, in many cases, startups, entrepreneurs that actually capitalize on those opportunities. So for us, having a, a strong leg into the startup world. And we do that through Ericsson Ventures today. But I think that is something that we will invest more in because we need to create that part of the ecosystem where, where actually developers start to use the capabilities of the 5G network. You know, it, it, it's a philosophy, I think, can make such a huge difference. Uh, and the startup world, working with large companies, the large companies either love us too much or uh, love us not enough and leave <laughs> us in a tough spot. You've been able to do that. Is that a culture that comes from the top at your level that says we want innovation and we want to embrace the new startups and creativity? Is it something that's built into your culture or is it something that just uh, just happens? I think it's built into the culture, actually. Uh, you know, Ericsson has in a way reinvented itself for every generation in wireless technology. So we're not afraid of, I call it, taking those type of risks. 
and you see that we have uh, we have one called Ericsson One, which is an internal, uh, I would call it incubator accelerator uh, for internal innovation. So we're taking some risks there with some promising results, but we're also participating externally. But I, I think this is, unless you innovate, you are not going to survive. So I, I think that realization is so important for the way you drive a business as well. And I, I look at, at your success with Cisco, the way you, you could integrate new innovative companies into your structure and, and drive them to market was very unique. I, I think it's hard to replicate, but we have to do something very similar. It is in many ways, and I think it's almost a playbook that, that we could run together. Uh, I'm going to switch directions. You talked very early in your comments about giving back to society, and and I think it's something Erickson believes, and I know you believe personally, uh, and I do as well, that the most successful in life also have to be good at giving back to society. Uh, with my startups at, uh, uh, that I'm doing with JC2, one of them is trying to create and eliminate hunger. Uh, by protein being generated from, interesting enough, insects and crickets and with a whole new model that, that perhaps could solve uh, hunger on a global basis or a Bloom Energy, which uh, looks at how do you do energy distribution at the edge of the energy network with almost no impact uh, to the environment in the process. Uh, how do you think about this balance between economic responsibility of a company for its shareholders and the importance of balancing that with benefit to society. And the two together perhaps is the best way to run a company in the future. Your thoughts? I think you're onto something there, John. I, I often say, you know, in reality, if you're gonna run a successful company, you need to focus on, on two things. It's, it's the customer and it's the, uh, the team, right? And, and how you build that team. And, and those two things that drive the shareholder value. So if, you, you, if you're successful on those two fronts, the shareholders will be happy. And I think, you know, in order to actually attract the, the best people in the future, it will be really important that they see that you provide value to other stakeholders. It's not only about money, it's about what you contribute to society. So for us, for example, we can participate to, you know, give access to connectivity, and give access to digital skills. So we try to engage in those situations. So we're part of the UNICEF GIGA initiative to connect schools, we're, and, and that's to connect all schools in the world by 2030. Uh, we're in World Economic Forum's Edison Alliance to build digital skills. We have our own program called Connect to Learn, that we've trained some 200,000 students in digital skills, because I think here we can actually be engaged in society and contribute to a, a positive mo motion in society. Because my, my view is the two biggest divides in the future will be access to connectivity and access to digital skills. You hit on several topics, let me drill down on them. Maybe lessons learned in leadership. Uh, you talk about the two fronts you focus on being the customers and the team, if you do that, then candidly, that takes care of the shareholder value. What values or cultural aspects do you consider most important? You've touched on it, but if you could take it and unwrap it one level down, uh, how do you articulate that internally at Ericsson in terms of the importance and uh, how would you articulate it to us as an audience that are learning from you today? 
Yeah, you know, I I I think I've I've been blessed with having uh, worked with a lot of very strong leaders over the years, and I've had a couple of those, call it basic principles that that followed me, and and a couple of them, you know, they're they're relatively simple. One is transparency. I believe transparency is the best way to 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 run an organization. You have to keep the whole organization honest in a way because it's transparent. Uh, I I believe you focus on the long term, but you drive execution on the short term. So you need to keep a long term vision and then recognize you need to execute on that short term, but never lose sight of that long term vision. I see also that I spend a lot of time with a team uh, trying to get make sure I have the right people in place, but also that I empower them and hold them accountable in the right way. So I, I think the combination of having the team, but also empowerment and accountability is critical uh, if you want to be successful as a leader. So I, I, I think it's it's less about you know yourself in that sense. It's much more about what the team can can do. And and uh, someone wise once told me there is no I in a team, and I think that's worthwhile to remember uh, when you run a big company. I could not agree more. You know, very often uh, the question that I enjoy asking people and the question I like to think about as well, uh, if you had one lesson that you've learned in life or one value uh, that you wish you'd had much earlier in your career and that you were uh, able to incorporate into your style, what would that be? And the reason I ask, for me at, at Cisco, I found out the disruption is important to disrupt yourself as much as disrupt the market. And uh, doing the right thing for too long can get you as much trouble as doing the wrong thing, uh, if you will. What would be the one thing you wish you'd learned earlier in your business career that you could share with the audience? I, you know, the, the, it's hard to distill it down to one thing, but I, I really do believe in this, uh, you know, having a, a long-term vision and stick to that long-term vision and be willing to adjust and execute in the short term. I, I think there is a is a great Japanese uh, saying that says something like, you know, that that if you have a a vision without action, it's a daydream. But if you have action without vision, it's a nightmare. And uh -huh. I think that's good to remember sometimes. I would agree completely. You know, we covered a lot of topics today, and I can't thank you enough for it. Uh, let me ask a, a wide open last question. Uh, knowing the audience that we're targeting, and it's an exchange and, and almost a, a teaching opportunity, what, what one topic would you like to close on that might be of most interest to this uh, audience in terms of lessons learned or what you see in the industry or how important digitization is to our future? Any topic you want. Uh, thanks, John. It's uh, that's a broad chance. You know, you don't know what you got me into here. But I, I, I would actually stick to the, we stand in front of a, I think, really exciting future and a very positive future that's going to be built on connectivity where everything that can be connected is connected. And that's going to impact our lives. It will make the economy much more efficient, much less greenhouse gases, but it will also make our lives much safer. Think about we will have less traffic accidents, etc. So I, I think we're just standing in front of this quantum leap in quality of life 
uh, ahead of us. You know, you you are so effective in your communication style and netting it out. I'm taking notes as we go along, at which I'm going to steal some of the ideas and incorporate into my own style. I hope that many of the listeners today and ongoing uh, get the same benefit. Uh, I want to thank you, Barrier, for taking the time to talk with me today, but most important, our audience. I also want to thank the audience for listening and encourage you to uh, give us the feedback on each of the episodes of Chambers Talks. Uh, I'd like for you uh, to be able to rate and tell us areas that we can improve on. But mainly, I want to thank you, Barrier, for spending the time today. I've learned a lot and uh, friends for life. Thanks, John. It was great being part. Barrier, my pleasure.